You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Wepa, mi familia, what up? This is your boy, Al Mega. Today, we got an awesome show for you because we have an amazing, amazing comic book creator, all right? He is the artist and co-creator of Deadly Class. He's also the writer and co-creator of Grave Diggers Union. And he got this dope book dropping this fall via Image Comics called Kaya. Whereby, let me bring up the one, the only legend himself. Yes, he will be in the legend. If there's a comic book hall of fame, this man will be in it. Let me introduce the one, the only Mr. Wes. Craig, Epa, what up, kiddo? How you doing? I'm good, man. I got my egos all blown up, so I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, bro, I, I see the swelling going on. All good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's popping, brother? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just uh, I'm in, up in Montreal, like we were talking before. It's really hot here, but uh, better than the freezing cold weather that we have coming in a few months. So I'm just I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Uh, man, you know what? I am begging for the cold, cause don't let my dark skin fool you. I love the cold weather. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be happy when it's a bit more like early fall is like my thing, you know, like just be what? able to not not have to be forced, you know. You have a few options to wear, not just like the bare minimum, just cause it's so so damn hot out. You know. I hear you. It's still it's still illegal to walk naked in New York, so yeah, you know, I I understand you. <laughs> yeah, for now, for now, we'll see. For now, yeah, things will change because you know, are you trying to body shame me, New York? How dare yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Brother, thanks for uh, hanging out with me today to talk about the greatness of this awesome new project you got out. I mean, I read the first issue, dope, and then I found the prologue after the fact. I was like, oh man, then I read that. I was like, ooh, everything came together for me. So I was like, fire! I can't wait for people to have this wonderful product in their hands come fall. But before we do all that. I need that origin story, Craig, because it's your first time on CCP, kiddo. Mm-hmm. Let us know where you're from originally and, it's, you know, and, and uh, your first taste of fandom as a kid. Yeah, well, born and raised in Montreal. I still live here. And uh, first taste of fandom when I was a kid. First, my brother's like, like just a little bit, just like a year older than me. And uh, he was in the comic books. We used to get, there's French and English here in Montreal. So some of the first comic books we ever got were... French translations of Marvel comics that were printed in black and white. It was like very like it was a whole different thing. We 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 would just we wouldn't really read them. We would just check out the pictures. Old John Byrne on the Avenger, uh, uh, George Perez, John Byrne, stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, but the first thing that first time I went into a comic book shop, saw the comic that was for me, and started like digging in the in the back trying to look for previous issues was was Teen Titans, Marvel Wolfman, and George Perez Ooh. was like was that was my my jam when I was a kid, and I just I, I was. Obsessed with Robotech on TV, the anime Robotech was like the, my favorite thing, and in comic books, it was it originally started yeah with Teen Titans. I loved it. He said Robotech. I used to get up at six o'clock in the morning as a young teenager. <laughs> <laughs> me too. TV. Me too. Same thing. I got I, I used to get my mom to tape it for me actually on on the old VHS. It was like oh two my episodes, god, two you episodes back to back to back, and it was six in the morning, and it was just it was too early for me. You know what? <laughs> I love that you said that. For you kids that don't know what a VHS tape is, <laughs> all right, here it goes. There goes a VHS tape. And look, this one has the tape on it, so you can record over it. <laughs> nice, yeah. And if somebody recorded over my 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 two episodes, I would be I'd be pissed. <laughs> He'd be livid. Wes Craig would yeah. turn into 
to the Incredible Bulk, and it'll be a wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So growing up out there, other than your brother, did you have a tribe that was like-minded and what you enjoyed? You know, did you have a clique or were you a lone wolf? I yeah, it was just me and my brother with comic books. Even in high school, all that stuff. It was really yeah. I didn't. My brother had a, a group that was kind of into it. They were into fantasy novels, and they were like the whole deal, like fantasy novels, heavy metal, comic books, all this hey. nerdy things, Dungeons and Dragons, and all that. I, I didn't really have that, but I, I my my click growing up was a lot of people that were in bands and music, and I just kind of went by my by myself. And just had the comic book thing by myself. And me and my brother would kind of shoot back and forth different issues. I'll check this guy out, check that guy out, you know. Uh, you let him touch your books? I wouldn't. <laughs> man, he, he hates when I touch. I have my hands are, I have my mutant powers. Like I have like acidic fingers, man. I, I, I destroy comic <laughs> book covers. So he hates when I read his comics. I have to hold them like like so so gently with the with the plastic on the back or whatever you know so uh but he yeah he's he's gonna be doing a comic book next year actually so oh really yeah he he started started drawing when i was a kid and i kind of you know being the little brother i drew i drew to copy him but then there was a certain period where he kind of stopped and i was just i was just obsessed with it drawing 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 so i kind of got to a a professional level a little bit before and got got in the business before but he's been working working steady for a while now and he finally he's got a comic that's going to be cool it's going to no, it's all secret uh, stuff now, but coming out next year. So that's awesome. uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Basically, the Craig brothers now are going to be tearing mm-hmm. up the comic book universe. It's a wrap, <laughs> kiddo. It's a wrap. We'll awesome. <laughs> so, all right. So when did the creative uh, side of you really develop as, as, as a young man? Yeah, I, I've been doing it since I was a little kid. Like I, a lot of kids, they, they just like drawing and they do, you know, pinups or whatever interests them. And maybe they find their way into whether it be storyboards or video game and, uh, animation, you know, like video game CGI stuff or, or comic books or whatever. But I was just always into comic books. And since I was a kid, I'd draw, I would do the, I would do some pinups of whoever Wolverine or, or whatever character I was into at the time. But like I would do story to storyboards. I mean, panel to panel, doing the word balloons, doing the whole deal, letter it, ink, ink it, the whole thing, you know? So I've just kind of always been into like writing and drawing my own, my own comics. Um, and now, oh, now is the chance to get back to that. It's been little bits and pieces over the years where I get to do the whole thing. Uh, Plus my, my, my letterer, Tom Napolitano and, and my colorist, uh, uh, Jason Wordy and, and, and me. Yeah. Look at that. monster team. So mm. talk about then, um, What's the education like when you before stepping into the real world? Did you try? You know, you, here you are as a kid doing these things, but did you get any like real education on the creation of, of comics and whatnot, or is this yeah. something you stepped into blindly? It was pretty blindly. It was it was just learning everything I could from any comic book. I remember back in the day there was like Dark Horse Comics, uh, Star Wars, and at the I, I didn't mm. I didn't really buy the comic books, but at the back I knew there was a thing about how do you get into comic books, and I like I bought it just to read that one page, you know, like <laughs> like a wiz, wizard wizard magazine that would have like this is how you get into comic books. I would buy that, just any little bits of knowledge. And I I was I had a dream when I was a kid of going to the Joe Kubert School because uh, that was just like comic book schools. I didn't know about I didn't know about the school in New York or and it was yeah. a while before a while before the um the uh, the, the school in it that they have I think it's in Atlanta like the big comic book kind of schools. Yeah. So it's for me, all I knew about was Joe Kubert, but I was like, I can't I, tweet. For one thing, I was just young and green, didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, my parents weren't going to pay for me to live in a, in a, in a, to go move to the States or whatever. So I, I went, I, I learned, I went, I was just looking for like, what's the closest thing in Montreal that I can find to like a comic book school. So there was Dawson college had an illustration and design program. 
And I, I went into that and they did not like comic books very much. Some of the teachers did. Some of them were, <laughs> really? some of them were just like, well, you know, back in the day, everyone's just like comic yeah. books are not art, blah, blah, blah. That's how they used to be back then. But, oh, yeah. um, uh, and again, not everybody, but some, some people. Um, the, uh, listen, it was something yeah. that was chastised when we were younger. Now this, this generation does not understand how lucky they are. Yeah. There's, it's, it's that, it's that way with, with comic books in general. And there's a thing about just being, nerdy and stuff that's a bit more it's everybody has their rough troubles but back in the day there was no being proud of being a, a nerd you know it was no. kind of like you had to kind of hide it or have something that wasn't nerdy if you want, ever wanted to you know talk to a girl or <laughs> anything like that but now you did no, wear now, a comic book shirt back in the day <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, I kind of kept it to myself i kept just doing this drawing stuff on, on my own and it was like but now it's like again like a lot of things are just more accepted more kind of like whatever you're into you're into so it's it's a lot it's nicer Crazy. So, yeah. what, what was what was it like? The what was the first time you actually landed an opportunity in comics? And was it for writing or for art, or was it a mixture of both? It was it was for art, just because I was sending samples away to comic book companies because the the art was just the art was uh, the amount of time you spend on the art versus the writing. It took a long more a lot more time for the writing to kind of catch up, like in talent wise, I think to the to the art, you know. And uh, I was just talking to some people about this earlier today, but it was like, you know, there's certain, like, I know the, the writer that I work with on Deadly Class, Rick Remender, he used to draw, Ed Brubaker used to draw a lot, of, Grant Morris, and a lot of writers that used to used to draw and, and write, but the writing took off for them, so they became writers. Same thing for me, but on the art side. And uh, always wanted to be a writer, but there's the art was doing, was just more formed at that yeah. time. So I would be sending away samples in when I was at illustration and design, this is college in Montreal, and uh, I'd be sending stuff away to DC and Marvel and Dark Horse and everybody at the time, every publisher at the time. And I was lucky when I came out of out of illustration and design, a few years out of college, I had a few, you know, terrible jobs, <laughs> like anybody, just like jobs that just paid the bills while I was trying to get into comic books or trying to get mm. something going that I really wanted to do. And uh, I just sent them away and sent them away. And then one... I, I would get little pieces back that kept me going. Like an editor might send me a personalized letter back through the mail back in the day, not even email. Oh my and God. They, they, they had to actually lick a stamp. In. <laughs> yeah. Which is even more effort. So it's like, they made this effort of handwriting this thing, sending it back to me and saying, you're on the right track. You're not there yet, but you're on the right track. So that, you know, that would keep me going. That would encourage you. That's great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, man, Joey Cavallari at DC comics. I'll name, like, I'm trying to think of like, who else? This guy, Dan Raspler at, at DC comics. Those guys were both like supportive of me. These editors, they're not there anymore. They're in, yeah. Um, but a uh, long time ago, you know, but, um, and then eventually I got a, a shot. My first shot, most people have to climb their way up through the, you know, the Bush leagues or whatever. And I, I had a, I was really lucky. I, got a shot with DC comics on a title called touch uh, that was kind of a mix of like, they're trying to do a bit of a mix of superheroes with vertigo, trying to bridge that gap between adult and, and like kids comics, kids, superhero comics. And it didn't last for very long. That whole, there was a line of four comics. They did not last very long, but it got me yeah. in, you know, uh, Matt Idelson and Nachi Castro. Those were the editors. That got How'd me you that feel? Job. How'd you feel about that first opportunity as a young man? I'm pretty sure you were like, what the pretty, hell? <laughs> pretty good. I could not believe it, man. I could not believe it. I got the email and I was, oh my God. I was, I was living with my brother downtown. We had just, we had moved out from my parents' place. had been living downtown for a while. And uh, he was sitting there watching the TV. I was at my old ass computer. Um, and I got this email and I go, man, they called me. They offered me a job, you know, and 
I kind of, I had to walk around the block. I did like a long walk around the block and it was like, you know, breakfast club. I was doing the like fist pump in the air to myself. Like I was so, I was so happy. I was like, I did it. I did it. You know? So I was, I was psyched, man. And then it was, did anyone you know, try to give you change? Cause they must have been a good, this crazy guy. He's the quarter, bro. <laughs> yeah. This guy's talking to himself. You did it, man. You did it all by myself. Yeah. But uh, didn't mean it was easy sailing from there. Cause it was like, you know, we got that, then that got canceled. Then I had, you know, I, it's that it's um something I've heard before, but I'm sure it's the same with a lot of different businesses, the industries. It's just, it's not just a matter of getting in the front door. It's like staying in once you get Yo, in. Oh, it's yeah. like I got, I got in, but then that didn't succeed. So then I'm on the outs and then I had to find other jobs and I'm like, and, and Nachi Castro is a super nice guy. He hooked me up with other DC jobs, but they were kind of like bits and pieces here and there just to kind of keep the paying the rent, you know? So it took a while to kind of get, get in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then eventually there was a bit more of a role, a bit more stuff. And then I got eventually, I got Guardians of the Galaxy for a while from Marvel and Ooh. then uh, a few other little things. And then, but then once Deadly Class oh. happened, then it, then it was like, that's my How did job. that happen? How did that happen? How did you mm. meet Mr. Remender and get hooked up with Image? Because you guys smashed the shit out of that. Love the show. <laughs> love, love the show. Love the comics. I was like, yo, this is dope. And this is a diverse Thanks, comic. And your art was monstrous in that. Oh, to me. man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's uh, it was kind of not to flatter Rick's ego too much, but like getting that <laughs> getting that email from Rick, it was a similar thing. It was that it was the next he one. Emailed like, you. Yeah, he emailed, he emailed me, and I was just – so the same thing when I saw DC Comics in the email. I was going, what are they doing emailing me? And the same thing. I saw Rick Remender's name, and I was like, like, what's going on? I was already a fan of his work. I was a fan of Strange. Strange Girl was the first thing I saw of his, and I was a fan of the Fear Agent and the Marvel stuff he was doing at the time, X-Force. Um, and he did the – yeah, a bunch of stuff. You know, like Brother Voodoo was like how he turned him into Doctor Strange. It was a lot of cool stuff he was doing. And um, – uh, yeah, he just called me up. I was already a fan. I had, I, I had actually contacted him on Facebook, like, I don't even know how long ago, like two years before that, just <laughs> saying, this is going to sound like I'm kissing my own ass or whatever, but it was like, I liked the artist that he worked with. I just liked yeah. his, his his taste in artists. I liked it, you know? So I was like, how do you like line up these artists? I, I, I wrote him a message on Facebook. And even though he was a <laughs> mega popular guy, he wrote me back and he's just like, said like, you got to kind of catch them at the beginning of their careers when they're, you can, you can, you can see the talent, you can tell they're really good, but they haven't been like, poached by whatever company or whatever and just like get in contact with them and try to find a way to pay them and blah 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 you know just gave me a few pointers and same thing i met him at a convention one time across from me he was selling hawking all his wares and i was hawking all of mine and i said hey man i love your stuff you know and we and like i forgot that i sent him that facebook message he we both for uh he forgot that i had met him in at a convention and then afterwards it was like we met and we talked over the phone he, he said i got this idea for a comic book i was working with lee this is a bit long winded, but I was working with Lee Lowrich. He was coloring me on, on a small little Batman thing. And Rick was looking for somebody that would suit this deadly class idea that he had. And he was, he was hanging out with Lee, him and Lee are friends. He was hanging out at Lee's place and Lee was coloring my stuff. And he was going, Who, who's this? As far as I remember, that's what I think what he told me. And uh, so he contacted me and then we got on the phone and it was like, just like he had his punk rock history. I had mine and we're basically the same age. He grew up in like, Arizona and then California. I'm up in Montreal. So very different places, but a lot of the same kind of, you know, touchstones that we both yeah. had growing up, all the same music, all the same stuff, you know, little, he's more oh. of a skater. I was like a rockabilly kid. So we, but we were both kind of, the punk thing was like united by that, you know, the uniting so, uh, factor. Hell yeah. yeah. And when you described me deadly class, I was like, yeah, like high school in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, punk rock. It's like, I totally, 
he knew he knew that I he didn't have to explain to me what he was talking about. It was like I, I get I get it exactly. So we knew we were in sync from there, you know. Oh, that is so fire! So I, and then obviously, you know, that that's a for me a legendary image title. So <laughs> fire that that spawned off a, an amazing a TV show, you know. Uh, yeah, short lived. How good. dare they? How dare they? I know, man. I just came back. I went to C2E2 a few weeks ago, and then I just got back from Toronto. They had a fan expo, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of people being like one season A, and I was like, I know, man, I know. <laughs> it would have been nice if we got two seasons, but yeah. it's beyond our control. It's it's out of it's out of our, our hands, you know. But it was a good first season. It was it looks nice, great actors, great great music, which yes. Rick was Rick was heavily involved in making it close to his his vision. So I'm totally. I'm proud I'm proud of that. It, turned out the way it did i'd rather that than 10 seasons of some garbage version of our comic oh, you know fuck yes 100 yeah. <laughs> brother. 100 bro i'll say that for you hell yes yeah so sure. so before we get into the, to your current projects you know give us a little bit about grave diggers too because that's also see your co-creator on that bad boy give us a little yeah, synopsis man. and how that happened yeah, it started off as an idea. I do these. I've I've done two of these little collections called uh, Black Hand Comics, and it's just it's like Twilight Zone influenced, EC Comics influenced, like that yes. kind of world, like like little short stories, just little snippets, kind of sometimes not even super story, more like just an idea. But it was my way of just just experimenting, like even more than I do on Deadly Classics, just like going wild with all my different ideas like different ways to present a story in comic books and stuff like that. And one of the stories was Gravedigger's Union. And it was just, I just thought it was a cool little idea about this cool little horror thing where these guys, they, they, the, the thing is they bury the dead in, during the day and at night they make sure they stay buried. So they're just like a supernatural <laughs> kind of chopping off, you know, stabbing zombies and stabbing, uh, stabbing vampires in the heart, chopping off zombie heads at whatever they got to do to keep the, the living, okay, like, you know, sleeping comfortably in their beds. Uh, they, they paid a living wage because it is a union job. <laughs> it is a union. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. My dad's a union guy. <laughs> I so I, I had some questions, you know, unlike comic books, my dad was a union guy. So I had questions for him about how that works and who's the, what's the hierarchy and how do they deal with the, with the company, et cetera, all that stuff. So he, he informed me about all that. So yeah. So, so, so Elder Craig is also a co-creator, if you will, then kind of. <laughs> yeah. He helped. He, yeah. I didn't give him a writing credit, but he helped me. He was, he was researched, you know. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. But yeah, I, you know, I did that, and then I um, I had just a bigger idea for it. I said, you know what, this guy, I think this has like uh, legs to form into something bigger. And uh, I was doing Deadly Class, so I didn't have time to draw it. So I said, I got, I had three different artists in my mind that I had researched. That I was like, one of these guys, they're all killer. If any of these three guys say yes, I'll do it. And if I can't get any of these oh, three guys, I, I don't think I'm gonna do it because it's like I, I gotta, it's gotta look how I want it to look. I'm not just gonna go to like like my secondary, my third, yes. my whatever, like like the second tier of people yeah. that I thought would suit. Stand your ground like, on what you want, kiddo. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I, so I, I I got Toby Cypress to uh, agree to do it, and uh, he's 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 awesome. And he had just something about him where he, he, there's certain aspects that remind me of like EC Comics, which is kind of the the big influence of the series, and a really new crazy version of it. But there's just certain elements that remind me of like B. Crickstein and like. Um, uh, blanking on uh, uh, Harvey Kurtzman and stuff like that, like some of the old school EC guys. So like, but like a really crazy new take on it, you know, like more experimental and uh, uh, little aspect, aspects of modern, you know, Pope and all kinds of other stuff that he throws in there. Um, so yeah, he drew it and Nicol Guardi was the, was the colorist. Um, Jared Fletcher was the letterer. So it was kind of like, I, I got everybody that I hoped would be on it. And 
I'm really, I'm, I'm proud of it, man. It's like two trade paperbacks worth of just, Ooh. just fun, just crazy stuff, just like whatever, just crazy horror stuff. That what comics kind of, should be? Kind of <laughs> funny. Like I thought it was, to me, it was kind of funny. Like there's certain aspects, like there's like steroid zombies and just like wild, whatever crazy stuff I could come up with, you know. So, so basically, uh, it was a WWE, as, I mean WWF back in the day as zombies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so steroided zombies. That's all I just, I can't just, imagine that. <laughs> yeah, roided zombies, like junk monsters, you know, like as in like, you know, like golems kind of like uh, created out of junk and just just crazy enemies to, for them to face off against, you know. Man, I would hate to be in your head when you're dreaming. Holy <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get into the, your, your awesome new book that's going to be dropping this fall. So before we even do that, folks, guess what? We got a trailer. So check this out so that way you get a taste of it. And I got even more after that. Track. That sounds like some old spaghetti western stuff going on in this mother. Yeah, that's the idea. A little bit of like uh, Conan, spaghetti western, a few of those kind of influences. My my brother in law made that that beat, and then uh, that spaghetti western bit at the end was made by the guy who works uh, true uh, who works for 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 Image Comics. He put the trailer together, so it's cool. Amazing. It makes it makes my foot, you know, it makes my foot uh, tap, makes me tap my foot. So I like that. The indigenous side of me wanted to start like jumping up and down with the drums, holy that's a, Yeah, that's a huge thing. Exactly, it's kind of the influence of where Kaya's tribe is a little bit like kind of Native American influence to a certain degree. We live, we live uh, close to a, a reservation just outside of Montreal, and, and the name where Kaya comes from is the place she comes from is called Kahaka. And that's oh. kind of influenced by the original name of that of that uh, of Montreal and that reservation that's there now. Oh, that's fire! That's fire! And you know, I'm gonna bring this up, and you know, because this is awesome prologue that people could read for free, so I'm not spoiling anything. All right, but mm-hmm. you know, look at this. So, 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 talk to us about the world here. You know, when, when, what was the inception of the idea, and then get into the world. Yeah, it's uh, the inception of the idea is something I had a long time ago. I had the idea for the world, kind of just a common, a smash, smash up all my influences and smash up kind of ancient. It, it, it's the Earth set so far in the future that it more resembles the ancient past. Like it's um, oh. like like as in kind of it looks more like you know ancient Egypt and Babylon and stuff like that. But underneath it all is like our society buried for thousands of years, that kind of a thing. So when people like it. When people, you know, uncover things that are tech or science, it's like they don't understand it anymore. So to them, it appears like magic. That that kind of an idea. Uh, um, it's like they find an iPod and that, that that plays music. What is this music? Yeah, box? what is this? It's the God speaking to us <laughs> or something like that. That's what they would think it is, right? So and there's there's robots, but it's like they don't think of them as robots. And there's there's aliens, and but there's also ancient, you know, temples with dark gods and all that. So it's a, a mix of sci-fi and fantasy. And I had that idea for this world, but I didn't have really 
a character or two characters or whatever that brought it to life, um, that made it, that dramatized it, you know, and then eventually I was working on these different ideas and Kaya kind of came into my head. Um, she, originally she was like a, just a badass, like, like, like adult, and then a, a, like an adult hunter. Um, and then from there slowly, I was like, Oh, what if she's like younger? And then she's kind of more, she's still a badass, but she's got to be a bit more, um, She's only 14, you know, so there's only so much of a, a, of a oh, tough guy wow. when, you can, when you can be when you're when you're that young. So but she's been trained. She knows her stuff, but she is still a kid. So there's the world is she's not sure if she's ready for this mission that she has to go on. Um, so that oh, draws some, you know, because okay. there's some doubt in the reader's mind, hopefully, over whether they can whether they can make it or not. And she's got to protect her little half brother, who is a, a prince. Um, and he's spoiled and he doesn't know how to defend yeah. himself or, or or survive in the wild at all. So that's. It was there's there's a mission they have to go on. She he, they have to reach Monk Island. This is some safe harbor far 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 away from where they live, and they have to go through this dangerous world to reach it. It was supposed to be her uncle's job to take him when he was ready, when he was old enough. But uh, the robot empire came and, and burned their village down to kind of stop this whole thing from happening. And they and Kaya escaped with her little brother Jin, and so now it's now it's her. It's her duty to get him to the safe harbor, even though she's just oh. kind of like a few years older than, than than her little brother is. So that's that's. I'm the, digging this. Yeah. You're telling me that robots believe in, in, in impossible, uh, in, in prophecies, if you will. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the whole thing, man. It's like I dig it's, that. It's kind of like they will not. When you're that powerful of an empire, it's a little bit like the robots are a bit like the ancient Romans, where it's like they will not tolerate any. They, they don't have control of the whole world, but they're so powerful that if they hear any dissension, they they shut it down immediately. So whether they believe it or not, other people believe it. And other people can kind of group around this kid, Jin, and eventually build him up. And if they have this symbol of this kind of re- rebellion, then it's trouble for the, for the robot empire. So they want to shut it down before it becomes a thing. But the problem is that Kaya escaped with with Jin. So now it's kind of a bigger problem for them. And so they're on the hunt and there's other things around them. There's a lot of things they have to have to get through, including a giant unstoppable robot empire to get to where they're going. And that's kind of, that's the, that's the overarching story of the, of the series. So, and this prologue kind of explains prior to issue one, because I mean, I love this page that you did here. I mean, look at this, you look at that panel work, son, you know, whoa. (laughs) That's my thing, man. Just kind of break it up and stuff. Yeah. I mean, just looking at this like that, that is fire. So much stuff going on. Look at this. Very old school feel to it. And, 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 the, mm. and those panel breakdowns and, and, the, and the verbiage. Um, mm. Dope, man. This character himself, the prince. Yeah, that's what, true. What a, what a little egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo. And, and then I love that because as I read issue one, there were things there that I was like, okay, wait, so how are they, you know, fam? And this mm-hmm. prologue will help you explain that. So, you know, explain your tactic here by sharing this prologue before that issue one drops in October. Yeah, I just, I mean, like some people know me from Deadly Class and some people will just see my art or maybe see these characters and be interested in it. But I mean, you can't take anything for granted that when it comes out, they're going to pick it up right away. So I, I just wanted to, I made a 16 page comic book all done, ready to go. That was, I put out online. I, I originally, I sent it to people that, that wanted it uh, through email, just sending them a PDF of it. Okay. And I just, I, and then eventually I said, I want it to be free for everybody to read that has a computer or a phone or whatever. So I just, I put it up, I figured Webtoon was, instead of, 
I was going to make my own website, but then I was like, man, it's just, that's a lot of work to make. I have no one currently. So I was like, okay, Webtoons there. It's already got an audience. They're more, you know, they're not necessarily into this kind of thing, but it was a way for me to get this thing available to everybody to read. And yeah, if they like this preview, then the comic is coming out October 5th. So, you know, you can get the first issue. First issue is completely separate. Uh, you know this, but not everybody out there may yes. know this. Like the, 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 the preview that I put out is a separate story. The first issue, it really starts the the real to be continued kind of drama of the overall arc. Mm-hmm. The, the, this, first, this first preview is more just kind of like a finite finished story that just shows you who Jin is, who Kaya is, how they got here, a little snippet yeah. and the a little bit of drama. And, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, the relationship between each other. And that's it, you know, just enough to kind of wet your palate. Yeah. You, you get to see how Jin is the little... <laughs> Dick, if you will, yeah, man. It's, yeah, well, like they're gonna he learn is. from each other, you know. <laughs> he's gonna, he's got a lot to learn. He's been yeah. given everything in life. He's a prince. He's got this thing where he's supposed to like, he's got a prophecy about him that he's gonna one day bring down the robot empire. That's why the robot empire wanted him to, you know, wanted him squashed. But it's like he's been given everything because he, you know, he's just he's the prince of this little village, and Kaya is the half is the, her, her half is his his half sister. And she's raised in completely different circumstances. She's raised by, by her uncle, um, who raises her as a hunter. She's just like a, a tomboy, just a tough little girl. Uh, she has a, a magic or tech, whatever you want to say it, like a magic kind of robot, a magic arm, um, which which helps her <laughs> in, in the things she has to do, smashing whatever she needs to smash to get her to you know to make it through. But uh, yeah, he's going to learn a lot from her over the over time and she's going to learn some things from him too and that's another that's the more the emotional kind of kind of line of the story, you know. Cuz he's kind of the narrator of the story too, which is what I felt in that issue one, which is really cool to see his perspective on on him speaking about his past and, and how things will change eventually. Yeah, that that's um that's like that something thing. that I thought was interesting. Back when I was a kid, I saw, you know, I saw um What's the movie? I'm just throwing a blank. Uh, Stand by Me, I think it's called, where it's like River Phoenix and like all oh, yeah. like Corey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey uh, Feldman and all these kids, and they're trying to go and find a body. It's a Stephen King story, so they're going to find yeah, a yeah. body. And like it's narrated by one of the kids when he's. It's narrated by uh, Will Wheaton, I think, when he's grown up as, and he's an author when he's grown up. So he's like looking back on these silly kids and the crazy stuff they used to get up to, and that's an influence. There's a few. Uh, uh, there's a few. Um, a few influences that that led me to that and it, the first one was the Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan movie that starts off with this narrator and he's like the the high adventures and stuff like that he talks about who Conan is and I kind of picture Jin's voice being a bit like that like this raspy old man um <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what age he is exactly or I'm rather I'm, I'm keeping it close to the vest I should say how, how old he is when he's writing this but yeah he's writing this from quite a few years in the future and whether they got to where they were going or whether they're still on the road or whatever I don't I don't not gonna I won't say any of that until way later but like for now it's just like an older version of Jin looking back on how foolish he was when he was younger and maybe how foolish Kaya may have been too just you know like like analyzing what he went through as a kid uh, which I thought was a good kind of way of showing different perspectives on this on the same story what was his influence look at his robot badass looking robot right there yeah, talking about talking about Robotech, that's like a that's a nod yeah, that's right? a nod to uh, the the third the third war in Robotech is like the Invid. Those are like the bad guys, and that's kind of a nod to in, to the Invid. I thought I always thought they were just the coolest looking crab monsters ever. So I, it's it's that's where I kind of got that from. 
and check out the magic arm, magic in quotes mm-hmm. arm right there. Fire! Look at that. I yeah, mean, that's where a that inspiration come from, bro. <laughs> it, yeah, there's two things. It kind of, as you can, I don't know if I made it clear enough, but it, it kind of grows and morphs a little bit as as her emotions or as she's needed. If she's getting into some kind of big uh, fight, it kind of powers up and like it gets more spiky and bigger. And and as it goes down, as you see in that panel, there her, her emotions have calmed down, so it kind of gets smaller, mm-hmm. more like a more like a normal arm. And then if she's in a fight or something else, it gets kind of crazy and metal and just more more heavy metal as it go, as she's need as it's needed. Um, and I think that I don't know. I just always thought that was just super cool. But I think I guess the right hand of doom from Hellboy is an influence on that. Just this big mm. giant thing. And there's a few different things. But uh, yeah, I just thought it'd be cool to to put. I just thought it looked cool to begin with. And then I said, okay, well, does she? Then I realized, oh, what if she doesn't actually have an arm underneath her? And that's part of her story is that she's. Her, uh, her arm was amputated when she was really young, and this, this, the reason, the reason she got this arm is a whole kind of, I kind of explain it a bit in what you're going through right here, yeah, but uh, not fully. Like I think yeah. eventually I'll kind of show that story a bit more. Yeah, maybe, I need maybe to know I'll this be... story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got an, I got a plan for after the first arc. I might go do a little flashback where I, I kind of delve need into to. it a little bit more. So it, it's a cool story. So I, I think I'll do that. Yeah. And I love this transition here. You know, we got all this color, and then here's a little story goes into this black and white, feeling like those old school savage sort of Conans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally for oh. sure. That's good because that's kind of what I'm going for, and also that's like. Like I said, Jason Wordy is the colorist, but then for that flashback stuff, that's what I—that's what it looks like on my side of things because I do okay. I do pen and ink, but then uh, or you know ink and brush, but I also do like a watercolor kind of gray tone thing that he works with. So that's kind of what it looks like. This gray tone is all is all watercolor mm. stuff, and it gives it that fantasy mm. feel, you know, like I like that kind of fantasy feel where it looks a little bit more painted, a little bit more Frank Frazetta, not to compare at all, but like that, oh, I guess. that, that, that fantasy world that always strikes me as if you're going to do that, it's like maybe kind of have a painted influence in some way. And that's, yeah. Looks amazing. So, so what, what was it like when you approached the team to, to go ahead and start building this wonderful project? Yeah. Well, it was the same thing a little bit like, yeah. I, I had certain people in mind, but if I was like, if they don't, if they say no, I don't know what I'm going to do, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to just approach anybody. I, they got to be right for the project. Uh, I, uh, yeah, Tom Napolitano, he's from End World Design. Like they hooked me up with him and he's an amazing letterer. He's doing exactly, he's kind of bigger than usual. The lettering, it looks really nice. If you shrunk it down, you can still see all the lettering and yeah. expressive balloons and stuff. Like there's like the tails of the balloons kind of ex- have it, are a bit more expressive than the average comic, which shows, I hope shows the character's personality a little bit. And, uh, and Jason on the colors, it's just, I, I knew him from working on this comic called First Knife from uh originally called protector when it got collected it, it, they had to change it now it's called first knife uh from image comics it's just awesome just loved his color palettes and stuff and i thought he'd do a good job on this and i asked him if he would try out a sample or two and when he came back with it i was like oh my god this is amazing like you have to please 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 like work with me on this comic so uh, do you yeah. didn't have a game face you're like it's okay um <laughs> you're like, yeah, I, want to. <laughs> I don't know i'm not sure maybe a little bit of a game face but now he's working for me so now i can admit how how bad i wanted him to work with me <laughs> awesome. i mean it's a wonderful job you guys make an incredible team look at this yo my god so look at that yeah, you got to show her in action. That's when she had to use her use. That's what I'm talking about with the, the magic arm comes in handy, you know, yeah, you got to yeah. smash a giant robot. That's it happens sometimes. 
<laughs> and, and there goes his snobbiness, for example. You didn't wrap my arm properly. You'll have to yeah. do it again. What a sn- <laughs> Like, you know what? You look at even wrapped it, kiddo. <laughs> yeah. And the narration is like, is like just, just him, like any, like any of us looking back on some of the stuff we did as kids and just, 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 just shaking our heads like, oh my God, I was such an idiot, you know? But again, he's, he's, he's had everything given to him. So he's not used to this world, you know? Oh yeah. He's, I can't wait to see people read. I can't wait to see read issue one and, and they see how spoiled his ass is and how mm-hmm. he talks. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, bro. I hope people don't hate him because he will change over time. But I want, I wanted them to start off butting heads as much as possible. You know but, what I mean? Like I, I want the drama of two people, the, the odd couple thing. And it's a mix of the odd couple thing. And when I was a kid, I loved like Lone Wolf and Cubs. So it's this strong protector and this kid that really needs help. And yeah. I, I love that dynamic, you know, so it's like, and she's not ready, but she's a lot tougher than he is. So she's got to take, take yeah. it on. And, uh, and I love also like strong older sisters and, and younger brothers. You, I, I've never had that, but I, you know what that's like when there's a, that, that kind of dynamic, like a 14 yeah. year old girl is not going to like her eight year old brother. He's a pain in the ass, you know what I mean? What? But he might love her, but. But he doesn't know, she doesn't always like him, you know, so that's, yeah, kind of, exactly. that's kind of the relationship, you know. That reminds me a little bit of Black Phone, even though it was reversed. If he was the older brother, she's the little sister. I'm going to be seeing the phone, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's a point in the film where he's getting beat up by bullies and she don't give a crap. That's her brother. Yeah. And she jumps in like a boy and starts swinging. I'm like, yo, yeah, I wish I had exactly. a sister like that. She probably has more, <laughs> more nuts than my, than my brothers do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They got to do I, what they got to do. And look at this beautiful panel. Holy smokes. But where, where were you in your mind when this was even drawn? So look at yeah, this. that was a good one, man. When it came back with the, and, and putting the, the, it turned out the way that I wanted it to turn out. And I wanted to show this wider world. They're the walking kind of the end of the, the first Terminator movie where it's like, they've gotten through some troubles, but you see that dark sky in the ter- first Terminator movie that they're driving off yeah. into, like the troubles have only begun, that kind of a thing. So it's like, they're, <laughs> they're past this part, but they're still in the desert. This whole world is in front of them. What's going to happen. And there's that vulture at the top of the panel, just to let you know that it's not going to be too long before they have another problem to deal with, you know? Um, and I liked it, but then that, especially that one in particular, I think that's one of the first things I got Jason to color to see if he could nail it oh, the, or, more than Kaya and Jin, like the world. And he came back with that, and I was like, oh, my God, it's just so yeah, – you can feel the heat of the desert, the way that he colors it, I find. So, yeah, uh, that made me – that got me really excited. Yeah, it, it, It's amazing. Look at that, folks, right there. From Wes Craig and Tim, October 5th, you could even – you know, order from comic shops using that code, all right? Yeah. yeah. You could even get it online at Comixology if you're into the digis. Mm-hmm. But I'm a print man, so it's like I, I, I need to smell the ink on that mofo. Yeah, me too, for sure. I just wanted to give as many options as possible. But if, if that's if you like reading comics, I read. I like I sample the occasional thing on Comicsology if I've missed it in the comic shop or whatever. Or, you know, so it's like it's useful for that. But yeah, me too. I, I love getting my man. I just came back from Toronto with a bunch of old old comics. They're gonna smell really strange when I take them out of the plastics. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I love reading them. My boy gets high. He, he says he loves seventies ink because the first thing he does is open those books. Right to the middle and just yeah. <sighs> Me too. I think there's more people that that do that than 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 I realize because I always thought I was a little bit of a weirdo. I get these European like graphic albums and stuff, and I just be like, oh, it smells so good, and it's the ink in the paper. <laughs> and I was like, does anybody else do this? And like my wife does it. And I was like, okay. The first time I heard her say, okay, I'm not. 
the weirdest person. You're not the only sniffer in the world. Yes, sniffing (laughs) sniffing books at the bookstore. It's like, geez, man, I don't know. That's a weird. uh, That's a weird one. But apparently, some people do do it. Hopefully, you're using that top quality ink, you know, give them people the, the right high right before they start reading. <laughs> yeah, that's I wonder. I'm like, should I be smelling this stuff? It's probably got some chemicals. Who knows, man? I don't know. Yeah, but it's like the whiteout back in the day when kids used to sniff it at school. You know what I mean? Yeah, same thing. Maybe <laughs> I that's do not encourage it. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So what's the plan with the, with the book? Is it a limited? Is it ongoing? What's popping? It's ongoing. It, I got it. You never know how these things are going to go. I hope. I hope. A lot of people that like Deadly Class join me here. People that like fantasy join me. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm getting the word out there. It seems like the conventions I've gone to, people seem to know what I'm talking about. They're not just like, what is this thing? Like, if they like Deadly Class, mm-hmm. they seem to know about it. So hopefully I'm getting the word out there. And if it does well, whether it does well or not, I got a certain amount of issues. It's an it's a, it's a ongoing series no matter what. Beautiful. How ongoing it is, I mean, that depends on on how well it does. I'm not, I'm not going to... I gotta still make my make my uh, make my rent every month, so it's of like course. maybe I got, maybe I have to wrap it up a bit shorter than I wanted, or if it succeeds, maybe I can do the full story. I'd like to yeah. do. It sounds crazy, and I'm gonna regret saying this, but I do I do picture it being like. I'd like it to be like nine trade paperbacks worth. Like I'd like to do like oh. three three arcs, little tiny break, three arcs, little tiny break, three arcs, and then wrap it up something like that. But I mean that's yes. a loft, it's a lofty goal, so I don't want to. I'm going to look back on this interview like a year later and go, oh, it only lasted like uh, two years, you know, like, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, see what shit. happens. But one oh, way or the shit. other, one way or the other, I'm going to make it work, though. Whether this, it, this it, it, it'll see, it'll all see the light of day, whether how long the story is, to, to, that's what changes. Yeah. There's a, there's a middle part that can either be expanded or shortened depending on how well it does. So that, that's, so, that's, that's the, the wriggle room I'm giving myself. So you telling us that you kind of already planned that much ahead story-wise? It's rough, but I honestly, I've got the first three arcs, like surprisingly figured out, uh, even like dialogue nice. and stuff. Like I've got the first two arcs thumbnailed for those who don't know. It's just like, that's like the really small rough version of it that, that you draw to kind of let yourself know the story flow and stuff. And that's, it's got all the dialogue. It's all figured out. I just got to sit down and draw the actual final inked pages and still like pencil inked pages and then get it onto Jason to color, et cetera. And then the second one is all figured out, not thumbnail, but it's all kind of broken down, like script style, like where I know each panel, what's in each panel. And kind of similar to the the third arc is slightly less. And then it kind of goes like that. I have an endpoint I want to get to. I have a basic idea of that middle part and that end part, but that's why I want to take small breaks every three arcs or so, just to kind of reevaluate and see where I'm at and see what things are. You know, you, your writing gets better over time. You don't want to lock yourself into like, one specific exact plan you want to give yourself a little bit of room to move and and if you could tell the story better you know the by the time i'm there i'm going to be a better writer than i am now so i want to give myself some room to kind of expand on ideas and just finesse it a little bit oh i can't i can't wait because you know <laughs> you're, you're kidding stuff i think people are going to eat this up it, it, it's adventure it, it, it's sci-fi i think mixed as well um you know you got some great characters already connected with them mm-hmm. you know like I said, yeah. I'm already like getting mad at Jen, and and I never yeah. really read the prologue and this. I'm like, yo, but I connected. You made me feel, like, yo, yeah. check them out. So I I think people are gonna eat this bad boy up. Yeah, folks, so just to repeat, you gotta get your copy October 5th. That's Diamond Core right there. So go to your local comic shop like right now. Ask them to pull out that previews book, and tell them that's what you want. A U G two two. 
0055. How weird is that? You got double digits across the board on this. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't notice that until you said it, but it's like maybe that makes, hopefully that makes it easier to remember because you got to remember that or email them, phone them, whatever, whatever, send, send a smoke yeah. signal, whatever you got to do to let them know, you know, get it done, get it done. So flowers time, kiddo. You know, I want to thank you for your time, but of course, most importantly, so I want to thank you for, for being with an amazing creator that has thoroughly entertained me. With everything you've done, you are a boss of the game, man. If there's a comic book <laughs> hall of fame, you will be inducted, I am sure. Oh, um, so keep killing it, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Keep pulling those smiles on my face. You know, keep keep me getting mad at people like Jin, and yeah. hopefully I'm gonna I'm gonna I should be able to love him. But hopefully after this arc, like oh man, he's the boss. Yeah, so, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work hard on that. We'll we'll get him there eventually. It might take a little while, but. I appreciate I, it, man. This is great, great questions. Great talking to you. I appreciate now, it. Now, you rock. So last one here, you know, because the way you work, navigated in the business and, and doing such wonderful stuff, what type of advice would you give to any youngins trying to step into the game today? Uh, man, it's a lot different than when I was a kid. Don't let anything stop you. You can really just get it done, get it out there on the internet. You don't need a, you don't need a printer. You don't need a publisher to say yes. You don't need a, anybody really. You can just do your own thing. If you're just a writer or just an artist or just a whatever, then obviously you got to find some people that are on the same level as you and come together and work together on something. But, uh, I'd say don't start. A lot of young people, they start on, they want to do their magnum opus. They want to do their giant, I'm going to do my Star Wars or my this or that or my Lord of the Rings, which is I'm making, maybe I'm making the mistake of doing that now, but I've been working on it for a long time. So this is my, <laughs> my, my big story, but I mean, I haven't building, you build up to it. You do small stories, do just start with a 10 page thing, move on to a 20, 20 page thing, 30 page, 40, you know, just kind of grow from there. You're going to learn each time and each time you move on to the next project, you're going to be better and stronger at what you're doing. So don't start, you know, start with the short story because that's how you learn your comic book chops too. Like mm. back in the day, Alan Moore started on these tiny little stories on these, in these British magazines and EC comics were all 10 pagers and stuff like that's kind of how you learn your chops first. And then you move on from there and just get stronger each time. Um, but uh, yeah, just get it out there. And then if you want to get a job with the comic publishers or whatever, just have it out there, have it out in the world. And these people are looking for new talent all the time. So if you have it out there enough on enough, all the platforms and all the, whatever, all this, all the different ways you can get it out there. Um, and then you go to comic conventions, shake some hands, talk to some other artists, make some connections and stuff. If you can, that'll help you out, meet these editors and stuff or whatever. Don't, don't deal with those companies. Just do your thing do do whatever you want to do with it. But uh, uh, yeah, there's nothing really stopping you except for procrastination yeah. Not not believing you're good enough and just destroy those things in your mind and just <laughs> just get the work done. Yeah. Don't let I anything agree. get in your way. Even if you got to work a job like me, uh, for a long time I had bad, just terrible jobs. I was working part-timers, whatever, this or that, just to give myself – I wasn't making much money, but I gave myself enough time. When I came home at the, at the end of the night, I wasn't too burned out. That's really tough, though. Sometimes you gotta you got to pay the bills, you know, but oh, yeah. each, each week carve out – however much you can get out of it without killing yourself, just carve out a little bit of time every week to just yes. get a little bit more done, a little bit more done. And at the end of the year, it'll, it'll add up, you know, like it'll turn into, you'll, you do, it's like this thing I saw some is Stephen King or someone else. I'm not sure, but you write one page a day. It seems like nothing, but at the end of the year, that's, that's a novel's worth of work, you know? So it's like, it does, it does add up over time. Um, Ain't that the so, truth. Yeah. Don't let, don't let, 
tiredness, that's the rough one, man. You got to find the time to, you got to find the energy to not be tired to kind of get at the drawing board or the writing or whatever and, and, and find a way to get it done every, every week, every month, you know. There you go. Find your ways, folks. Don't listen to the evil inner voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't make excuses. Make the time. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have this rocked out. It's true. I like that concept. It's just, you know, even just a page a day or a month, you still have something. You know, yeah. it's, it's all yeah. right. So, yeah. you know, just keep going, guys. Yeah. Now, this is what I need you to do. I need you to sign up to Wes's newsletter, right? That's double E P U R L dot com slash C. Capital W O one G F. All right. That's the newsletter. You know what? I'll make it easy for you guys. This is in the link right below the video. Just go ahead and click cool. away. You can follow Wes everywhere at Wes Craig Comics. He's the boss. He made sure you took over that handle everywhere. And very importantly, go spend that cheddar at your local comic shop or comicsology October 5th. Now, if you like print, I need you guys, you know, the diamond code is AUG220055. Look at that. It's destined for greatness. It's all even <laughs> numbers. Right? From image. <laughs> yeah, it's made to right? be. So check yeah. it out. You know, Wes Craig is an amazing, amazing creator. So, you know, again, thank you for your time today. You rock, bro. You already made me a fan of this book. I've already been a fan, but now this book, though, holy shit, bro. It's Conan, it's tech, it's everything we love all rolled up into a ball right here. An awesome comic with amazing characters, and I really can't wait to uh, add this to my pull list and and see how far we go with this story. Hopefully, I'll get all those nine volumes. Like it's the plan. Manifesting, manifest. Nine volumes, nine volumes. You hear me? We'll (laughs) see. Thank you, man. All right, man. Wes, you rock, brother. Thank you so much. And everybody, you know what to do. Check us out at ComicCrusaders.com for all, all the latest comic book news, reviews, previews of stuff like over here, like Kaya, right? And, of course, check out my extended family over at UndercoverCapes.com for all types of podcasts. We cover K-pop, you know, old school comics, new school comics, Marvel, DC, movies. You name it, we cover it, all right? So with that, hasta la próxima, mi gente. Much love. Thank you again, Wes. Hasta la próxima. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, man. Bye. Thank you for Thank listening, you for to, listening the to the Crusaders podcast. podcast. If you like the if content, like content please, subscribe please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please also, visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended and podcast, podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.